0: Cashflow, Item 19, Digital Marketing, Estate Planning. If those terms cause you to pause even for a second, this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser. We cover a new topic each week, clearly and concisely. Business Insights, not piled on you like you are a buffet plate, but each topic broken down and easy to digest. Welcome to Small Bites of Business Insights. Welcome. It's Kathy Gosser here, and I'm here with Barb Nuss. So let's jump right in. We've been talking a lot about financial statements and how we can use them to make better decisions. And Barb has given us so many facts that we never knew about. But today our topic is keeping it real, tips for better books. And Barb is actually going to um, share with us why she thought it was important to include this segment in our series. So Barb.
1: Well, you know the saying, garbage in, garbage out right? Financial statements, the way I see it, they are the voice of the business, giving us feedback on how well we're managing it. And we're going to use that feedback to fine tune our operations and make investments in things that will drive sales and profits in the future. And you absolutely must be working with the real story. If your books are not accurate, you're making decisions from bad data. And tell me, Kathy, how much time do you want to spend analyzing bad data?
0: Zero. None. <laughs> right. Absolutely none. That's exactly right. So can what can people do to make sure they are keeping it real?
1: So to me, the most important thing is to start by making sure your team has strong skill sets in these bookkeeping and accounting functions. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely need to have competent staff and if you're doing your own books, it's probably time to fire the bookkeeper. <laughs> this is this is not a place to cut corners and say, "Oh, I can just do it myself," or worse yet, do not have a family member do it who doesn't have the experience just because they're somebody you trust because we do feel like trust is an important part of who we have do this for us. Wow. So, it's really important to have a have a really good bookkeeper and an outside CPA who can review that work. And, you know, your outside CPA can also advise you on how to set up your systems properly. And when it comes to that trust factor, it it is important. You really need to do your homework. You got to check references. You got to do background checks. And you need to separate the functions of handling cash from recording things in the books we call it separation of duties yeah. they can be that can be really hard to do in a small business especially when you're just starting out but it is possible my best advice on that is to work with your outside cpa to make sure you've got the right safeguards in place to prevent thefts and embezzlements because you would be shocked at how common they yeah. are
0: mm-hmm. And that can be definitely disheartening. So that's a great place to start. It's really important to have the right people and the right systems. And most people who start businesses will need the help of an experienced professional to set up their accounting procedures.
1: Right, and it's really important that those procedures be documented. And I know we read that in textbooks all the time, documented procedures, right? You need a handbook, you know? You need a handbook that details how the transactions are processed. You know, say, for example, like what information comes from that point of sale system and how does it go into the accounting system? You know, how does that even happen? Who signs checks and what paper should they have in front of them before they sign it? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What accounts do we need to double check at the end of every day, at the end of every week, at the end of every month? And then there's adjustments that happen potentially in the books so what adjustments get made monthly and quarterly or yearly and who reviews those or approves them when all that stuff is written down somebody can easily step in and take over if you get a, if you have something happen where you need to have a change in staff
0: yeah i could see where bookkeeping staff turnover could be very disruptive and also having that all written down could save a business thousands of dollars if someone in bookkeeping left the business suddenly
1: yeah so- absolutely
0: yeah. So what kind of errors are common when you don't have the right staff and systems in place?
1: So I think about some of the the things that are the easiest to mess up. Payroll. Okay. You know, you get an entry from your payroll service that this amount came out of your bank account and you write, okay, that was my payroll. Well, you know, that really wasn't your payroll. Your payroll was your, your gross pay was more than that. Mm. Right. And then there were some taxes withheld and, and, and that, that, and from your employees. And that's not your money. <laughs> You're holding that and you've got to give it to somebody else. So for accounting for payroll and payroll taxes, you need a cheat sheet, a recipe card, a way that that entry gets made, gets made the same way every time. And just systemically about um, what we do with payroll, mm-hmm. it's really important to think about. Um, what functions people do, and how that represents costs in your business. Because yes, payroll was one number. Part of that was might have been direct labor of something that was produced. Part of it might have been a salesperson getting a commission check because they sold it. Part of it might be the bookkeeper for keeping track of all this stuff. And those Amounts should be recorded in different places on the PL so that you know what those functions cost you to do. So that's the one area we need to get our arms around right off the top is payroll. Mm-hmm. So another area related to tax, this is a really common thing I, I see happen, it's sales tax, right? So when we collect sales tax from uh, the customer, it's part of the money we get in the cash register. Ka-ching, the money goes into the till. And so then you go to say, well, what were my sales? And you take all the money that was in the till and you say, those were my sales. Mm -hmm. Well, wait a minute, part of that was sales tax and it's not your money. Mm -hmm. And I know somebody has been doing this. If I look at their P&L and I see an expense that says sales tax expense, it's like, wait a minute, you don't pay that sales tax, your customer does. So Mm -hmm. it shouldn't even go on the P&L. When you collect that money, it's not your money. Where does other people's money go? to the balance sheet. That's what liabilities are, right? Then when you pay it, you're not paying it with your money. It's not expense to you. You're just taking the money you collected from the customer and now giving it to your state for sales tax. Hmm. So that is so common. And think about the implications of it. It didn't matter very much back in the day when sales tax was one or 2%. Now sales tax is like 10%, just about everywhere, right? So if your sales number is inflated by 10%, all those other items as a percentage of sales are wacky. Mm -hmm. They're wacky. So get it out of there and look at how you're really operating your business that belongs on the balance sheet.
0: Good (laughs) advice. Good advice on that one.
1: So, uh, you know, another area I would say that's common is if people, especially in like a small shop, you know, where they're not really all that sophisticated in their accounting, if they've got inventory, Mm -hmm. they might say, oh, I don't want to have to account for my inventory. And so when you buy merchandise, you call it cost of goods sold. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, we talked in the statement of cash flow section, uh, podcast about timing difference. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people get lazy on their bookkeeping and say, well, I'll just, I, you know, it's, I'm going to sell it eventually. I'll just call it cost of goods sold right now, the day I bought it. And then say, I buy it this month, but I don't sell it till four months from now. I'm charging it against this month's sales. So it makes it look like I'm not making money when really I am. So that inventory and really what we're talking about here is the difference between recording things on the cash and the accrual basis of accounting, which we can talk a little bit more about later. You know, one of the other areas is uh, the commonly that people don't do right is when they record a, a loan payment. They might either, either record it as an expense, <laughs> mm-hmm. which it's not, right? You're just giving somebody back their own money. It's a, It goes on the balance sheet. But it um, sometimes we'll just take that whole payment, put it to the balance sheet when some of it's really interest. Mm-hmm. And so then at the end of the year, the account has to fix it up, right? So making sure the interest gets recorded right, right? And, you know, depreciation can actually be a big number. And even though we don't have to write a check for it, mm-hmm. if you're trying to really evaluate, am I making money? A lot of people will wait until the end of the year and not, not worry about depreciation, figure they oh, that's a tax thing. The accountant will do that. At the end of the year when they do the tax return and you're going along the whole year thinking you're making good money and you're telling the bank you're making this money and you forgot to record depreciation and it was a big thing and then you get to the end of the year and you have a surprise nobody mm-hmm. likes surprises especially bankers mm-hmm. so i really think it's important to create an estimate and book a monthly estimate of depreciation every month so you realize you got to be covering that thing it's not non-existent you do have to cover that cost so those are some of the real common things that people forget about or that make things not be accurate.
0: Wow, that's great information. And you kind of touched on this, but one of the most important decisions to make when you set up your system is, are you going to keep your books on the cash basis of accounting or they're accrual? So Barb, you are a CPA. Which do you think is better?
1: Okay, well, I'll give my standard CPA answer for all questions. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> right? There you go. Okay.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So for a simple business that doesn't carry any accounts receivable or inventory, the cash basis may be just fine. It may be the same, right? Because I don't have any of those timing differences that we talked about. But for most businesses, the accrual basis is better because it gives you a more accurate picture of profitability. Now an accountant will say, all, but the tax basis is, or the cash basis is better for this business because it works out so that they pay less tax. I don't care how you do your tax return. They can do that however they want. Keep your books in the way that shows you the truth because you're making decisions from it and you want to keep it real, right? That's the That's what we're talking about here is keeping it real. And if you don't line up the revenue in the same month as the expense, you don't know if you're making profit. Now let's talk about what cash and accrual means. In a cash basis of accounting, you recognize revenue when you collect the money, regardless of when you made the sale. And you recognize expenses when you write the check regardless of when you incurred the expense and those things could have timing differences they could happen in different months and unless we put those things in the same column in the same month we don't know if we're making any money so Mm -hmm. in the accrual basis we recognize the sale when we made it regardless of when we collected it so i got that I, i made the sale it's owed to me. I made the sale and I'm going to make sure I get all the expenses related to that sale recorded in that month. And I'm going to record them when I incur them, Mm -hmm. regardless of when I write the check. So when I incur it, it might create an accounts payable, right? Mm -hmm. When I sell it, it might create an accounts receivable. Mm -hmm. So it's really important because if I don't get those lined up, I don't know if I'm making any money or not. So I need to know in the long run if I'm going to be profitable. Obviously, cash is important too, Mm -hmm. but I can learn what I need to know about cash and cash flow by paying attention to the balance sheet. If I don't keep my books on an accrual basis, there's no place I can really go to find the true profit.
0: Okay. So how do the taxes fit in?
1: All right. So one of the biggest differences on the tax side um, is going to be depreciation. Right. Yeah. We talked about this before. You know, you can write off this big amount of depreciation, and you can um either section 179, bonus depreciation, the tax laws let us write off virtually everything we bought the year we had it. And so now what we have is a tax it's a third kind of accounting there's cash accrual and tax right mm-hmm. so we have this tax rule that says I can write off three hundred thousand dollars this year even though I have hundred I I, I saw 250 thousand dollars worth of that value still left I, it'll still produce future value for me mm-hmm. and so I charge it all to the p l this year and it makes the profit go away right so that's not keeping it real. Mm-hmm. that's not keeping it real so I'm going to ask my accountant to have a different way that they do the tax return than how we do it for my financial statements because my financial statements remember what they are they're the voice of my business giving me feedback about how well I'm doing and I don't want my business lying to me mm-hmm. about what my expenses were I want to keep it real I want to keep it to economic reality. and So one of the other areas about cash and accrual and tax is like people will think, well, the cash basis is better for tax purposes because I don't have to take those receivables in as income this year. And so then what they do, this is a secret. Then what they do is they take those checks that came in in the last week of December and they stick them in the drawer, right? Ah. And then, so now I don't have to pay tax on that, any on any of that income, but I am going to write all these checks and pay all my payables. So I get, I don't have to take the income, but I am going to get all these deductions. So I'll lower my tax bill. And you know what I call that? What? Kicking the can down the road. Yeah. Because what's going to happen next year? Yes. We're going to have all those checks that were revenue come into this year with no expenses for right. them and I'm going to have more tax. We're going to pay the same amount of tax at the end. Now is it better to pay pack tax later than sooner? Yes. But don't be fooling yourself. I don't mind, you know, that stuff as long as you know the real story. Have you kept it real for your decision making process? Cuz I hate it when I get to Talking to somebody about their financial statements and they and I say, "Wow, your margins are horrible this year." Oh, they're not really, Barb. They're not really that bad. What do you mean they're not? Oh, we had all these checks we stuck in the drawer. So, what were your margins really? Well, I'm not really sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
0: keep it real. I oh, I hear that. And also, when you have your own business, you might have opportunities to provide yourself with some fringe benefits to lower the bottom line. How does this change um, assess true profitability?
1: Yeah, so let's be really clear here. I'm not talking about cheating on your taxes right now, yes, right? Not. Um we're not saying that there's a personal expense like your kids tuition mm-hmm. buried in the, you know, business training department, right? Mm-hmm. Um that is uh, definitely not keeping it real. Mm-hmm. And it's true that those things do sometimes happen. I'm I i i have seen it my I've seen it in that on the papers in front of me, and it's really unfortunate because it can muddy up the water. So you know, I might say, "Gee, hey, your profits really low. Uh, why are your expenses so high?" And the owner says something like, "Well, I'm really making more than that." Wink, wink. You mm-hmm. know. So the truth is, he has no idea how much he's making because he doesn't know what the reality is, Mm. he does, he's not keeping it real. And there could be significant business problems that go undetected because the numbers aren't real. And to me, that's a problem, right? But you definitely want to take advantage of all allowable benefits like life insurance for owners and employees for that matter, disability, maybe a vehicle for business use, travel to industry conferences that are in Cancun and things like that. Right. Um, You might even want to put these costs in their own little section on the P&L that says discretionary expenses so that you can see what they add up to. It's not like these are Cheating expenses. These are real discretionary expenses. I mean, they're allowable. There's nothing wrong with having them, but you had a choice. So maybe you want to put them in a separate section so that you could identify how much they were. And, you know, that might ha- help you later when you decide to sell your business because you could show some new owner that, you know, they could decide not to have those expenses and they might even be able to make more. So by separating it out and knowing exactly what that amount is, Um, you might get a better profit number when you go to value your business.
0: Oh, so actually, would it be fair to say if there are some owner discretionary expenses hidden that it could hurt the value of the business?
1: Yeah, it certainly would. I mean, we see this happen all the time when somebody goes to sell their business. They say, well, what's the profit? Well, we pull out the tax return, the financial statements. We stick them in front of us and say, okay, here it is. And they go, wait, 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 wait. I was only kidding. (laughs) I made more than that. What, What do you mean I made more than that? Oh, my kid's college tuition is in there you know, it's, let's take it out. So what they do is like, they get to the end where they're trying to sell and they're trying to, now they got to go back and uncook the books. Right. Mm-hmm. So de- you know, you're, you've got a plan to sell this business, keep it clean, keep it real. Cause that's what people want to buy.
0: Oh, you're so right. So Barb, let's assume we've taken all of your advice and our books are telling us the real story. So we've got some good information organized in a way that it's easy to see how efficiently that we really are managing the business. What tips do you have for ensuring we have meaningful financial reviews?
1: Well, the first thing is do it, right? Mm -hmm. Do it regularly. Do it monthly. People will say to me, how often do I have to look at my statements? Is quarterly enough? No, because your business changes more frequently than quarterly, especially in times of inflation. Um, so businesses change quickly, you've got to stay on top of it, you got to know when your costs are changing, so you can react to that change. Uh, so I say do it monthly, mm-hmm. um, by the 15th of the following month. Mm-hmm. And at year end, I understand that sometimes it takes accountants a little longer to do year end adjustments, and everybody sends their stuff to the CPA at the same day. Yeah. Um, get in line first. Tell them it's not acceptable to extend my tax return. Mm-hmm. You can extend the return, but I still want the information. I want it done on time. I want it. I want my books done for my year-end books done by probably the 15th of February or the 1st of March, mm-hmm. uh, if it's at all possible. Now, there are some things, some complicated businesses where they may not know what the full extent of the tra- transaction was right on December 31st, because they have some odd things, contracts or something that take a while to reconcile. But look, most people, there's no good excuse for delaying it past the 15th of February, you should you should know that, because you want to start making sure that you've got your budgets for next year established Mm -hmm. properly, and that any uh, adjustments that were necessary because somebody was making some mistakes that you catch that right away. So you're not continuing to make those mistakes. So get to it right away. So that's my first tip is do it, do it quickly, do it every month and do it the same way every month, make a consistent financial packet. So your bookkeeper knows exactly what you want by what day.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, and there's a lot there in that packet.
1: Yeah. The types of things that you might have in that packet are like the financial statements that we talked about before, the balance sheet, the income statement, the statement of cash flow. But one of the most important things to have on that income statement is a percent of sales column. You have to have a percent of sales column on every single p and you see. If somebody gives you one without it, give it back and say, Give it to me again with the percent of sales column because I need to be able to see how my costs are changing in relation to sales. My fixed cost should be going down as a percentage of sales as my sales grow. My variable cost should be tracking with sales and understanding your cost structure is essential to making good decisions. So you need to have that percent of sales column there. Um, I'd also say that you want to look at that PL say with the current month, this month, Mm -hmm. this year compared to this month, last year for some businesses, that's really important because they're, they're looking at seasons. You might also want this month and say, if this month were June, here's June, here's year to date, June 30, six months ended June, if you're on a calendar year, right? So you can say, here's what I did this month. Here's what I've done so far this year. And then I'm going to look at those percent of sales columns. I'm going to run my fingers right down those percentages. And I'm going to say, hmm, office supplies is 10% for this month, but it's only 2% year to date. Mm -hmm. What I write a big check for. And then you dive in and look at those details. So that's like you're looking for fluctuations and the Mm -hmm. percentages help you identify that. I also want to see how I'm doing compared to my budget. Okay, so I want a report in there that shows my actual compared to prior year, my actual compared to my budget. So that gives me a sense of perspective beyond now. Am I on track with my goals of what I wanted to have? So from the P and Ls and the balance sheets, balance sheets I want year over year. I want this um, this June compared to last June mm-hmm. because then I can see how things are changing. And how is my, is my debt going up or down? Am I building cash reserves or am I eroding cash reserves? That's an important thing to know. You don't know by looking at one balance sheet, you only know by looking at two of them. So mm-hmm. I want to see those year over year. So these are things like people don't know what to ask for, right? Right. And so somebody gives them their statements and they look at it and go, okay, well, I see the top line I see the bottom line next. No, Mm -hmm. you got to have the right information in a routine. You do it the same way. You get the same thing in the same order every month. And there may be some things besides the financial statements that are included in your financial review. You might have a dashboard with some KPIs on it. Mm -hmm. You might have an accounts receivable aging schedule. So you can say, hey, I have this much that's owed to me, but these guys are deadbeats. They're never going to pay. I better get busy, right? And you might want accounts payable aging schedule to make sure you're taking care of your supplier's. Um, staying within terms, maybe even getting discounts if suppliers are offering trade discounts for paying early. So to me, these are the top things that go into that packet. If you know there's some place that you always need to monitor for problems, such as redos, errors, reruns, you might have a log of those. Overtime reports, you know, I know the reason why my labor costs are so high is because I don't have enough people. So I'm working them too much. I have too much overtime. I want to track that and solve that problem by getting better at recruiting and retaining Mm -hmm. my people. So these are just some things that you figure out what the important things are for you and you get them in that package the same day, every month, in the same order, the same stuff, because when you have consistency, you'll get quick at using it.
0: Sure, sure. And who would be involved in that discussion?
1: So great question, because uh, a lot of business people are afraid to share their information with their team because mm-hmm. they don't trust the team, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. a problem. Not not that you don't share, but that you don't trust your team, mm-hmm. right? So you got to address that at some point. Your goal as an enterprise builder, okay, you're building an enterprise and your goal is to create an executive or a leadership team that is worthy of having this information and helping you make better decisions with it. So think about who are these people that are accountable for driving profit, for managing cash, for managing inventory, for collecting receivables, those people need to know what the numbers are, right? How can you hold somebody accountable for something if they don't know the score, right? You need to win the game, but we're not going to tell you the score yeah. until after it's over. And if you didn't win, you're fired, yeah. right? That is not fair, right? Yeah. So we have to give people um, the information they need to make decisions in their in their business. I'm a big believer of open book management. Mm-hmm. I do understand that not everybody is mature enough to see everything. Mm-hmm. Education is a big part of that, mm-hmm. okay? Um, they need to know what these things mean or there's no use sharing it, right? So lift the financial acumen of your team and involve them in this these conversations with you.
0: Well, gosh, Barb, you've provided so much great information um, in this session. So if I were to ask you, what is your top tip? for keeping it real, what would that be?
1: Well, remember, I I would go back to my comment that the financial reports are the voice of your business giving you feedback about your results. And there's a wealth of information there. And you need to use it to figure out what's going well and not so well in your business. So do that. Okay, don't miss the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because when you see what's going well and not so well, then you can identify your priorities. And once you know what those things are. You figure out, well, which problems do I want to fix? How am I going to capitalize on those strengths? I'm going to brainstorm with my team about the solutions, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to set goals that the whole team can get behind, and I'm going to put those plans in place so we get them done. So, use your financial statements as your scorecard against your goals. Measurement is at the heart of
0: performance improvement. So keep it accurate and keep it real. Ah, that's fantastic. Thank you, Barb. You're welcome. Thank you to our partner in the financial section of Small Bites of Business Insights, Ms. Barbara Ness. Barbara is the owner of Profit Soup, which is a company that will provide you with training and support for all your financial needs in franchising. Small Bites of Business Insights is brought to you by the Yum! Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. If you have a question or comment for us, just send us an email at feedback at smallbitesofbusinessinsights.com.